Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak. And our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. Uh, and today, Tim, we're talking about the importance of, of developing not only emotionally intelligent schools, but also emotionally intelligent homes. Yeah. And it starts with us, the leaders. Yes, it does. Yeah. Well, um, I remember uh, when my children were younger, my wife and I both said, we have got to develop their emotional intelligence, yeah. not just their intelligence. So we always wanted them to make good grades like all moms and dads do. But I remember distinctly when our daughter was 12 and our son, Jonathan, was eight, we were talking at the dinner table and began a series of conversations about EQ, emotional intelligence, not just IQ. Well, our kids thought it was so cool that they knew this term emotional intelligence when they were uh, yeah. in middle school or elementary school. <laughs> and, and that was probably earlier than a lot of people were talking about yeah, it, well, too. Well, I, so. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But Daniel Goldman's book, Emotional Intelligence, mm-hmm. had come out, Primal Leadership. So um, anyway, it was a really, really good time. In fact, we did little um, activities, experiences. Remember, you've heard me talk about how we had people over at, yep. for a party, and yep. our children hosted the party. I love that. Uh, which, which was a great muscle building for their emotions and their social intelligence. Yeah. But anyway, all that because I knew that while their IQ wouldn't change fundamentally through their lifetime, EQ can be developed. And I'm lobbying in this conversation now that we as educators, parents, coaches, youth workers are really building intentionally the emotional intelligence of the next generation. Absolutely. And, and it's so important that we invest obviously, in the next generation. But I think uh, one of the things we have to understand is is if the uh, output is going to be emotionally intelligent kids, yeah. the question has to be, what do the inputs look like? Yeah. And it yeah. Can't, we can't approach it just like math or science Correct. or whatever. That's it's right. not a subject necessarily in school. And that's where it gets confusing for, I think, a lot of schools as they're trying to implement this and realizing this isn't quite exactly like math class, yeah. you know. Um, and, and a lot of teachers probably thinking, this is not the job I signed up yeah, for, yeah, right? Yeah. But it is the gift we have to give our kids, which is why this is such an important conversation. Well, Andrew, I want you to say something specific. You and I were just talking about this off, you know, recording. But um, you you just made a really good statement. Would you mind kind of going over that again? Absolutely, yeah. I think uh, you can be anxious and teach math, but you can't be anxious and teach emotional intelligence. Yeah, so we've got to self-regulate. We've got to be the embodiment of EQ if we're going to teach EQ. Absolutely, yeah. And I think this this is what makes it different from, from those other subjects mm-hmm. that we may want to teach or the other things we may want to um, impart on our students or our kids in whatever context is. Uh, the very first step has yeah. to be we ourselves practicing this, yep. finding some some um, a settled identity, and then acting from that identity. And you know why. Uh, nobody wants to eat from a skinny chef, right? Yeah, that's right. And that's exactly, I that's think, exactly what we're asking right. kids to do. Be emotionally intelligent, but yeah. we don't display any yeah. emotional intelligence. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's why it's so important. Yeah, do as I say, not as I do. That yeah. just doesn't go over well. Yeah. So I guess, um, listeners, what we're saying to you is you are the curriculum. Yes. You are. That's a this great way to say it. It's not just a transmittal of information. This is it. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to examine the why, why we must do this, and how to take that very first step. Which yes. won't be everything, yep. but it'll be the first step. Yep. That's so, good. Okay, so I was stunned recently. Yes, stunned I recently. can't believe you were stunned. I know, I know. It's hard to, hard to believe. <laughs> but um, it was actually a newspaper report uh, that I heard. Actually, not newspaper. It was online. But um, it was about Stanley Middle School in Lafayette, California. Gr- I'm sure great school, and I'm sure... Gr- 
great educators there, but but anxious like we all are, yeah. trying to do this hybrid it's a hard thing year. or this yeah. in-person thing or this online thing. So it was an online school. Um, a student, a seventh grader who was 12 years old, his name is Merrick Mastroff, uh, he missed a total of 90 minutes of Zoom classroom time. So he shouldn't have done that, but he Correct, missed yeah. a total of 90 minutes. Uh, so what did the school, what step did the school take in response? Uh, Merrick's dad got a letter saying his son was truant and subject to arrest. Arrest? Yes. Yeah. Not, not detention, not suspension. You may be arrested. Now, it's, it's, it's all part of the policy that the state legislators made. In fact, let me break this down just so you'll know we're trying to be fair. But folks, arrest. Um, so the reason they said that is according to California law, Education Code Section 48264, after missing three 30-minute Zoom sessions, they're considered unexcused. That are considered unexcused. Yeah. Um, a school can send a letter saying the child is considered a truant of the state, and is subject to arrest. Now, Merrick's father, interesting, soon discovered other parents who had received similar letters threatening their children with with arrest. And of course, he now plans to write lawmakers and saying, "Wait a minute, isn't this a bit much? We've gone is a it, little far." Yeah, isn't this killing a roach with a shotgun? Yes, yeah, that sort yeah. Of thing. yeah. And my point, of course, is this. Not that educators don't need to take steps. Many of you are listening going, don't you understand what we're going through? I, I do. And and so, of course, we need to take steps. But it's a picture of an overstep. And, and I'm going to explain why I, I say this. I think there's rationale that we need to take steps, but perhaps overstep may be doing just as much damage as doing nothing. Mm. So um, anyway, here's here's what I, what I want to get to. Our world right now in 2020 and 2021, I feel like remains stressed by a COVID-19 pandemic and a severe economic downturn. Are there other issues? Of course there are, but those are two looming issues that remain and will remain for quite a while. Uh, Further, Andrew, I'm going to contend, maybe because of this, but maybe even beyond this, it's just a noisy world. Yeah. Everybody's weighing in with their opinions. It's noisy. It's cluttered. Social media requires all kinds of hyperbole to, to just you know stand out. So I think that part of the problem is maybe we make a law instead of talking to a young man who's 12 years old and saying, let's talk about what's going on here. We just say we've got to do this extreme step to feel like we've got anybody's attention. Mm, absolutely. And it happens. Here's a quick case study. And yeah. like you said, I think there's a lot of evidence that we sort of preempted ourselves for yeah. this moment. Yeah. COVID strikes, and all of a sudden we yeah. lean on things we've been doing for yeah. years, in particular on social media mm-hmm. and in our communication via email. Uh, I think this whole thing reminds me of the hyperbole that happens on social media all yeah. of the time. Yeah, You'll see a yeah. post that has like, Tons of exclamation points. Have you ever seen one of those posts yeah. with like sixteen exclamation <laughs> yeah, points? Yeah. It's like I think you're you've made your point. Yeah, you know, yeah, you're yelling at me now. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I actually remember my wife used to have a coworker who had bolds, highlights, different colored fonts, different size of fonts in every single one of her emails, yeah. and it was like everybody's just working. I think yeah. to try and get attention. So we put uh, we put capital letters and bolds and emojis and all of this yeah, stuff yeah. because we wanted to stand out. And exactly what you said, a world full of noise. Um, and I think 
this process of exaggeration to get attention is one of the things that opened the door. It's not totally the fault of these things, yeah. but it's one of the things that opened the door to the popularity of fake news, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of overextending mm-hmm. uh, the, the truth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because that's really how it started. It wasn't just like flat out lies, yeah. step yeah. one. It was really taking the truth and sort of stretching it and pushing it a little bit farther. And it's all because we live in a world of hyperbole where everybody's trying to be heard. So uh, if you've noticed online. We can't just relay our point of view. We have to say we're outraged, yes. right? Huge if word. If yeah. you're not angry, then you're not getting anybody to pay attention to woke. you. Yeah, you're no. not. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we simply can't just send our messages. Got to have caps and exclamation yeah. points. Yeah. And of course, in this case, we can't just interact with families or send an email, which maybe there was an email in his yes, inbox that yes. said, your kid needs to yeah. show up. But yeah. the reality is, it's like, instead of taking, instead of getting a response from the next step, we go too far. And all of a sudden, we've got to threaten arrest in order yeah. to get attention. Yeah. And it's really kind of sad that we found ourselves in the place we have. Well, it is. And here's why I think it's a big deal. It goes back to EQ. If this is our recourse, we're signaling we don't have the uh, self-awareness, self-regulation to just handle this. It's got to be a law that we're leaning on. And yes. then we get Now, I, I, will, I will admit this. Everybody's trying to, everybody's feeling anxious and stressed right now, no yes. doubt about it, which means our amygdala in our brain is firing the fight or flight. Yep. And we're not always rational, we're emotional. Not always rational, we're emotional. So we make bolder threats, and uh, our emotions are running high, and this just doesn't bode well for raising high EQ kids. Yes. Yeah. So we need a better path. Yeah, we do. So I believe, and this is kind of the, what we want to camp out on the remaining minutes of this conversation, the high road is a better path. Now, your mom and dad, or maybe it was a coach or a youth pastor or whatever, said something to you a long time ago about taking the high road. Yeah. I am such a believer in this. In fact, real quick, let me take 60 seconds. I remember hearing this term at least 35 years ago when I was on staff with Dr. John Maxwell, and he began to use this term. So it's been around a long time. And I, I don't think I'd ever, at that time, I'd never heard it before, but he just began to, uh, to lobby for when you're on the high road, there's less traffic. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, true. Because, but, but it's always the better path to get the response you want to get. And, of course, the high road is not leaning on emotion, but, but understanding yeah. and rationale yeah. and logic. And empathy. Yeah, and, and empathy, most of all. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for stealing my word, Andrew. You're welcome. I, I Sorry. appreciate that. No, it's okay. It's all right. I'm going to get over it because I'm not emotional. Right? Yeah, you're taking the high road in this yes, conversation. I, I really thank am. You for doing I want that. you to know that. So I consistently write, and so do you, Andrew, about the need for social-emotional learning in today's students. I don't think we have any hope of developing social and emotional literacy in our kids if we think we can do it without modeling it ourselves. Well, something you said earlier. Um, So when they see these students of ours, unregulated emotions, ridiculous rules like you're truant and you're under, you know, you're under arrest or you're, the threat of arrest is on the table, or poor leadership, just poor leadership from adults. Even the good words we speak seem hollow and empty. Yeah. As school administrators, teachers, and parents, whatever you are listening, we need to be convinced that we cannot teach emotional intelligence unless we embody it. It's good. So these are going to include these items. So identifying negative emotions when we feel them. Yes. So I stop and say, what am I feeling right now? Yes. Self-regulation and impulse control. We've got to do that. We, we're trying to teach those to our kids. We've got to lead with those ourselves. That's yeah. exactly right. 
active listening and empathy, yeah. huge. That if I'm in a hurry, I don't do that very well. Um, examining prejudices and biases that yeah. we all have. Yeah. And then finally, strong and healthy relationships, which is what I'm lobbying for, is the answer. Not rules, but relationships will be the solution. Absolutely. And of course, this is a challenging time for this yeah, to happen. No doubt. No but doubt. the reality is, is uh, I think um, if, if uh, we were leading out of this kind of leadership, we were taking the high road, I don't think we would see truancy and arrest threats as an option. Mm-hmm. We just wouldn't, right? Yeah. Because we would choose relationships so often that those things would get taken off the table, right? Because, yeah. I mean, if you send an arrest letter, that sort of takes relationship, positive relationship off the table, you know? Yeah. I think uh, this represents a different kind of leader. Real quick, the third week uh, into December 2020, uh, LSU played Florida in a great football game, yes. two rivals. Yeah. But Florida was ranked, and LSU was unranked, and yeah. yet LSU upset Florida. You and I both know part of the issue was not athletic ability, but it was emotional intelligence. Yes. So Marco Wilson was defending, you know, for he was on Florida's team, yep. defending against LSU. Big stop on third down. That's right. That's right. Big stop on third down. The tight end, you know, did not catch the ball, in t- you know, didn't make a first down. But Wilson, instead of just letting it go and going, great, fourth down, we're going to get the ball back and win the game, takes the shoe of the opponent and throws it 15 yards down yards down the field. Yeah. Now, would I have felt like doing the same? Of course I would. I'm a competitive person. Yeah. But, of course, it ended up costing everything. Yeah. A 15-yard penalty, which meant LSU kept the ball, moved the ball closer to their end zone, setting up a 57-yard field goal, which they made, and upset Florida. Mm-hmm. But um, now, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to elephant in the room. Wilson's a great athlete, but in that moment, had he contained his emotions, had he practiced high emotional intelligence, Florida might have won that game and you know ended up in the SEC championship. It's just all kinds of things cascade as consequences and benefits when we do or don't practice EQ. It's it's very true. I was just watching that the other day. You know when when he, as soon as he threw his shoe, all of his teammates ran over to him yes. and just pushed him. Yes. What are you doing? You know that's exactly right. I thought I thought they were comforting at first. No, no, they were saying don't do that. Don't yeah. do that. What's wrong with you? You know they were probably saying regulate, regulate. I'm sure. Is yes, what they were saying. I, I yeah. bet they were. Yeah. Bro, take the high road here. Yeah. Man. <laughs> They say that on the football field, don't they? <laughs> yeah. But we digress. We digress. Of okay, course. Andrew, I want to share one of our newest Habitude images that's a principle that you and I have learned to practice over time. We're still learning. Yes. But um, it's an image. By the way, we teach with images here at Growing Leaders. We believe images are, stick in our brains and they can represent principles that help us practice them later. Stethoscopes and treatments. Love this one. Stethoscopes and treatments. In, in short, here's the deal. Um, no good doctor uh, has you in their, in their room you know, to treat you uh, and barges into the room, sees you for the first time and says, hey, I got a bottle of penicillin. It is an amazing drug. It's helped millions worldwide. Try it. You're going to love it. Just try it. It'll cure what ails That's you, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That, that little dose we have. So anyway, uh, the, the bottom line is Doctors would never do that because even though you might need penicillin, they're going to first take lots and lots of time. In fact, in fact somewhere between 10 and, and 15 minutes, I've heard from doctors, mm-hmm. to diagnose. Meaning I'm going to listen to your heart. I'm going to look at your mouth. I'm going to look at your ears. I'm going to look at your eyes. And after doing a lot of studying and listening, then they say, here's the penicillin. Yeah. So this is a leadership principle. I have no right to offer any kind of prescription 
before I first stop and say, I need to diagnose. What are you experiencing? In fact, show me your eyes. What have you seen? Show me your ears. What have you heard? Show me your, let me listen to your heart. What are you experiencing inside right now that tells me how to better lead you? So we could go on and on for an hour, but I just think good leadership, especially in this time, means high EQ, and high EQ means I'm going to practice stethoscopes and treatments. I love that. I love that. If we could break down what the first step of developing yeah. emotional intelligence, yeah. taking the high road, leading out of yeah. uh, out of your own life yeah. looks yeah. like, it is this principle, right? No about it's it. walking around, constantly going do I actually know, have I diagnosed what the problem is there, or am I just acting out of my own, frankly, insecurity yeah. a lot of times, yeah. frustration, um, overwhelmedness, anxiety, whatever it is that we're feeling. And by the way, all of those things are completely normal. There's a whole lot of anxiety going around these days, yeah. right? But I think it's emotionally intelligent people who say, yes, I am anxious, but I'm not going to act out of that place where I'm at. Yeah. Instead, I'm going to say, what's really going on here? I'm going to listen. I'm going to investigate. I'm going to empathize. And then I'm going to offer my prescription. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, then I'm going to act. And maybe there does need to be a truant law, but maybe yeah. not yeah. if we do this well. I think our leadership is so affected. So I want to digress for just a minute. I know we need to, to wrap this thing up, but uh, one of my favorite stories of the power of this happened in a, in, a, in a leader that lived uh, years ago, but um, he was, he got his, uh, he went to medical school and got his MD. Uh, he became an MD, and um, he and his wife traveled to a third world country. Actually, it was a developing nation in the continent of Africa mm. to set up a hospital and a clinic and so forth and so on. He actually had his PhD and his MD, so he was a very learned man, and he wanted to just help solve the problems in this tribe that he worked in. Bottom line, his wife got very, very sick, as well as his son. His wife recovered. His son did not recover. Mm -hmm. And um, he just began to mourn over this. Well, here's something very, very interesting. When this, the locals in this particular uh, community saw him for the first mourn over his son, for the first time they began to lean in. Because they, they, all they knew at this point was he's a learned man. I think he'd set up a, a school and even a church to try to, but they weren't even coming. They weren't coming to the school. They weren't coming to the church. And he thought, what do I have to do? I'm, I've got my degrees. Yeah. But here's what's interesting. When the locals there saw him put a casket together, put his son in that casket and lower him into the ground, and before the casket was lowered, just weep over his lost son. They watched intently. In fact, one local even got close and looked, got down close to his face just to look at the tears coming down his, his cheeks. The locals then left, and they went back to the village, and basically the word that spread around the community was, the white man, he cries like we do. Mm. And the next Sunday, church is full. Mm. The, the, the school is full. And all I'm saying is, you know what? He didn't need another degree to get effective. Yeah. He didn't need to add one point to his IQ. What he needed to add was a little empathy. Show them you're human. Show them you're real. And that was the only trick left in the book that he needed to climb. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and we as educators have to practice the same thing. Yeah. If our students cannot see that we are human, yeah. how are we going to... How are they going to hear from us uh, human principles, emotional principles, yeah. life principles, those kinds of things? So there's a teacher I want to close with that Please. just practices so well. Eric Johnson taught high school world history for 17 years, so he's an experienced teacher. Without knowing it, he also taught social-emotional learning along the way. It wasn't a curriculum. It was his life. There it is. Yeah. Uh, he was an emotionally intelligent adult, 
And so a few years ago, Antoine entered Eric's class just really looking for a fight. He'd gone through a very, very tough past. Uh, Antoine was a student with a chip on his shoulder, and from week one, Eric attempted to build a relationship with him, as well as with the other students, and model the competencies I mentioned above that we had talked, uh, they'd talked about before. Uh, he seldom sought help from administrators. That's what I love about Eric, because he thought, nope, I'm supposed to manage my classroom, so I'm going to do this. Well, one day, this student, Antoine, just exploded. Um, and in reaction to a, f a fellow student, basically, Antoine began yelling and dropping F-bombs in class, uh, totally inappropriate and opposite of the high road culture that Eric had tried to create in that class. So Eric knew, knew he, had to, he had to think fast. He instantly placed his students in study communities, small, small groups, with student leaders in, each char in charge of each one that he had prepared, which was very, very smart as a teacher. He then asked Antoine if he'd like to get away from class for a few minutes. The two of them stepped outside and sat down in the shade, and Eric hoped this would just take a few minutes. Uh, the two sat in silence for a moment as emotion subsided, and then Eric asked Antoine, are you okay? He then paused and then said, what you just did doesn't sound like you. Tell me on a scale of one to 10, what's your anger level right now? Is something wrong at home? How can I help? So he was doing this stethoscope right yeah. there. Uh, each of these questions were, was posed calmly uh, as Eric looked straight into Antoine's eyes. Antoine's eyes. Um, and it was at that point the student broke. He acknowledged his father had just beaten his mother and left the house for good. Eric listened, li listened well, that, that, which was really key at this point. Emotions flowed freely and appropriately. And within about 10 minutes, the two had crafted a plan for Antoine to regulate himself and maybe return to class. And when the two did, Antoine offered an apology to everybody. Uh, and by the way, without Eric prompting him to do so. Mm. So um, bottom line is, it, this was a picture to me when I heard this story. Oh my gosh, this teacher did what more than what a curriculum could do. Um, he apprised, he, he prioritized people before protocol. Absolutely. Protocol would have been sending him down to principal's office. Yep. Um, he was working on soft skills as well as hard skills in world history. And he walked by the rule. I love this rule. Relationships always become, come before, before rules. Yeah. And yet, did Antoine break the rule? Yeah, he did. But you know what? We got the rule thing down when we did the relationship thing Absolutely, first, so. yeah. If only all of us could lead this yeah, way. Yeah. This is an important reminder for me as I'm, I'm listening to this. Well, obviously, we want to have these conversations with students. We want to, uh, first and foremost, lead from a place uh, of emotional intelligence as we lead, just like uh, the story we just heard. But we also want to have these conversations. And you may be wondering, how do I do it? We have a really great tool that I want to uh, suggest to you. I think it's a really great uh, way. It's not the only tool, but obviously, we're partial to it. We call it Habitudes, in particular, Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning uh, is a really fantastic resource which is being used by hundreds of schools and organizations uh, around the country. Um, and it's a great way to use imagery, stories, and even sometimes emotion to have conversations yeah. about these kinds of topics. Uh, and it could be just what the doctor ordered uh, for your classroom. So if you want to check that out, head on over to growingleaders.com SEL, and you'll be able to actually try it out for free. Get on Habitudes Online and see all the tools and resources that we have there. Well, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your uh, podcast. That gets the word out about what we're doing here. You could also literally get the word out by sharing this with somebody who you feel like may benefit from it. We'd love for you to do that. If you want to connect with us on social media, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. 
Tim's still not on TikTok, but we're working on that. Um, and then finally, if you've got ideas for this podcast, people you want us to interview uh, or subjects you want us to cover, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those. Tim, thank you so much for challenging us and leading us uh, as we all try and become uh, more emotionally intelligent leaders. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next time.